Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up at TWA. Hope you all are having a fantastic October, getting everything ready for Halloween because we are officially in the holiday season. As most people say, the year went by fast. Um, True or not, if you feel that way or not, we are indeed at the holiday season. So make sure you're getting your ducks in a row. Make sure you have a great time with your family and loved ones. As always, we're starting off with the Albert Einstein quote, which is the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. There's no rule out there that requires you to do the same things over and over again. Anyhow, there's no rule that says you have to do the thing that you don't like doing over and over again. Just because it's a habit doesn't mean that you have to do it. Just because that you see someone that you admire doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. There is not something called a one-size-fits-all solution for everybody when it comes to the way that we approach life, the way that we approach getting the results that we want, and our activities on a day-to-day basis. Every day is going to be a little bit different anyhow. We shouldn't try and pretend like there aren't going to be different kinds of days. I mean, some days, let's just call them good days and bad days, starting off, we have certain days that are going to be good. Everything seems to be going according to plan, to our expectations, and the, of the day comes and we say, hey, that was a good day. But then a bad day is when you have a bunch of stuff that you did not want to happen that did not meet your expectations, so you call it a bad day. You know, if those are ego-based terms, sure, but we're dealing with ups and downs no matter what. Life is like a wave, and as we see many energy forms out there, including light itself, as we understood through physics over the last 150 years, light itself is like a particle and a wave. So that's pretty unusual, but not to get too much into the heavy-duty physics, so many things happen in waves. So many things that have to do with humans happen in waves with ups and downs. So what we addressed last week was the distinctions of responsibility that come out of the circles of concern, influence, and control. With my driving point being that once you embrace these circles, you also need to understand that just because you have a circle of control doesn't mean you get to ignore your circle of influence. The circle of influence includes your children, your employees, your relatives, your employment, the diseases that you suffer from, your reputation, the promotions that you get, the upgrades in your life, who loves you, and asking for help. Just because they're not in your 100% control does not mean you ignore those things. As it turns out, there are severe consequences for doing something as foolish as ignoring your children, ignoring your spouse, ignoring the needs of your employees, your relatives, ignoring your employment, your job, ignoring the fact that your actions will be 
affecting the diseases that you get, your habits, the whether or not you're obese or not, or if you eat healthy or not, and who loves you. You know, you can't control other people, but you do have an influence on if that person is going to continue loving you, like if they're your spouse. You can't just act like, oh, I don't have to try. I don't have to do the things that they want to do because they're, oh, well, they're just not in my control. So why should I take my wife out to go see a show? Because that's what she wants, buddy. And I bet you want some certain things too. So why are you only caring about the things that you want? You have to make sure that you're focusing on a win-win solution, not losing track of that principle because you've conveniently over-focused on this circle of control part of the seven habits of highly effective people, and then you wound up ignoring an entire habit as a result. You completely ignored win-win. And that's probably why you're in the situation now. So what I want to focus on, and as we were going through this last week, I wanted to actually go through the seven habits and do what I'm going to call a series of the anti-habits of highly effective people. Not in the sense that I'm just going to say, oh, this is the opposite of what you do. But because this was such a productive discussion, um, I got a lot of positive feedback about the show last week with the circle of concerns. Um, I want to go through the details of the pitfalls that can happen when you misinterpret the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And from the foundation, I think that the seven habits are so important because it is the clearest and most well-distilled identifying of the truly effective habits of how you get results in life. I mean, I'm reading another book called Nonviolent Communication um, by Michael Rosenberg that I mentioned last week, where it's effectively seek first to understand, then to be understood in elaborate detail with a lot of challenging points for me personally that honestly I did not get explained enough, clear enough through the seven habits by Stephen Covey. So it radically expands on that habit of seek first to understand and be, then be understood. So in a nutshell, though, the foundation and all these connections are made, I feel, most clearly through Stephen Covey's book. I, I literally think it is the most important self-help book out there. Anybody who has not read this book has to read this book. You need to read this book at least twice within the next month if you decide to undertake this reading, which I, I, I'm telling you to do this. So take this as your sign. If you have not read this book, read it. Go buy it. Get it on Amazon. Get it on Kindle. Get it from your library. Get it from your local bookstore. Um, I really like to shop at Katie Budget Books on Mason Road. They have a ton of great books, um, fiction and nonfiction and self-help. I like to support um, small businesses always when I absolutely can. So let's start off with this first habit that comes out of Stephen Covey. You have the collection of the seven, which starts with the personal habits. Then you have the next three, four, five, and six that are interpersonal, so they have to deal with how you are interacting with other people. And then habit seven is sharpen the saw, 
I mean, I suppose it's basically a personal habit. So there's effectively seven personal habits and three interpersonal habits that connect to all of these other ideas out there that connect to all of these other principles that are discussed in all different books, typically in greater detail, as, for example, Nonviolent Communication by Michael Rosenberg. So starting from the top with being proactive, proactivity is, by definition, the willingness to engage in action in a positive manner. To be proactive is to, in general, be active, to be up and at them, and to be looking for the activities, though, that aren't just spinning your wheels, but are actually going to lead you to get the results that you're actually aiming for through your goals. There's a big difference between activity and action, I would argue, when it comes to your goals. So, folks, once we get back from the break, we will continue discussing the anti-habit approach to Habit One from Stephen Covey, Be Proactive. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the second portion of today's Wednesday TWA radio show. I am your host on all Wednesdays, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. So we're going over what I'm going to call the anti-habits of highly affected people. And maybe that's not the most accurate way to put it, because it's not to say that you're going to be doing these things in the opposite sense, but it is to identify what are those mistakes and what are those classic pitfalls that I see some people fall into that I've personally fallen into when trying to implement this information. And I think this is important to discuss, um, and maybe it's just me, but I like to see some of the challenges that come with information that's being conveyed as, you know, for lack of a better term, sunshine and rainbows. I want to see when I'm being told be proactive, what are the challenges to that? And of course, if I'm not doing that in the first place, I clearly have challenges with it. But as it turns out, as human beings, if we see other people struggling with the same stuff, it contextualizes our struggle. It makes us understand that it's truly something that we can work on and might still seem pretty insurmountable at that time, but we tend to underrate the challenges other people face and overrate the challenges that we ourselves face. So if we can, even for a second, look at someone else's challenge and like from that outside perspective, be like, oh yeah, I, I can actually see exactly what you need to do. You need to do this, 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 and this. And then you'll be good. And then we have a very difficult time, near impossible time, to do that same thing for ourselves. 
or you probably experience this frustration when you talk to somebody that you care about and you probably didn't really listen. Um, you probably went ahead and just went for the straight advice mode, um, which is generally not a good idea according to seek first to understand and then to be understood or nonviolent communication from Michael Rosenberg. But you say, yeah, you need to do this, 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 and this. How many times in your life has somebody outright agreed with you and then gone on and done those exact things? In my experience, not a whole lot. In my experience, the... I mean, I was just... I had this thought yesterday through reading more of um, nonviolent communication that... When people are trying to be listened to, it's not even so much that they have a listening ear from another human being as much as it is as they're able to literally hear the thoughts in their own head. And then once they hear it and it becomes this more concrete thought it becomes this more concrete thing whenever it's actually said. They hear it come out of their mouths to their own ears. You know, that further contextualizes it. There's just something about being able to say something out loud that shrinks down so many issues that we face. Even if you are just able to say something to yourself by yourself, it gets it out of your brain. It gets it out into the context of the actual planet. That's all these other billions of people. That's all these other, I mean, quadrillions upon centillions of atoms or however many atoms are on the, in the entire mass of planet Earth. It, it, get, it just gets out of the thought pattern in your brain where it's just this these electrical signals that you're over-focusing on and you, you keep trying to make something into a way bigger deal than it probably really is. Just get the thought out of your head. If you're able to say something that you're afraid of out loud, even just by yourself in the mirror or even not with the mirror, but just say, I am afraid of X happening, or I am afraid of X, whatever that is. There's just something about just saying it that sets you on the path to actually doing something about it. And it makes sense because saying something comes from a thought. Saying something tends to lead to doing something. Doing something tends to mean making the actions that actually make that change. It's like a step-by-step -step process, but I don't think that can be underrated, to say the least. Doesn't mean you have to become some sort of like um, patient with the shrink in the chair, as a stereotype goes, to with somebody else, which could be very constructive. I think a lot of people can benefit from that greatly. I'm not undervaluing that by any means at all. That's very important. But 
to do something small now would be to approach that challenge out loud. To listen to yourself actually saying something. And sometimes when you do that, you instantly see why it's ridiculous. You instantly feel better. Give it a shot and then take it with something positive too. Say the goal that you've been thinking about out loud. Write it down. And if you have it written down, read it out loud. Read it to somebody that you trust. That's more steps to making something more concrete. Those little baby steps are tangible, true steps forward. They might seem small. They're not the full solution, but they are steps along that path that cannot be undervalued. So with proactivity, one of the most important things about being proactive is being positively responsible. It means taking positive responsibility for your ability to respond. In other words, that's where we get the word responsibility. What is your ability to respond? There's a difference between a reactive person and a proactive person. Because we know the reactive person is the type of person who is going to get a certain stimulus and they're going to instantly react like a knee-jerk reaction without consciously thinking about the actions that they're now undertaking. So let's say someone cuts you off in the road. A reactive person might honk their horn, get red in the face, scream their lungs out in their car, flip the bird to that person in front of them. Like, being cut off doesn't even mean a whole lot. Y'all are both still on the same road, going in the same direction. But that's something that's enough to make a reactive person lose their marbles, even for just a few seconds. Or maybe for an extreme reactive person, that ruins their whole day. Have you ever been that type of person? Do you know anybody who's similar to that? One bad experience, a minor experience during the day, causes their whole day to be ruined. That's extreme reactivity. Because when you take a look at those actions, if you had a choice, and I'm going to argue that you do, Would you choose to feel as angry in that moment as you did? Do you want to feel that pissed off when someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, gets a little too close to you? Probably not. But the reactivity that's ingrained in many of our bad habits validates that behavior, gives us some righteous indignation in that moment, And all of a sudden, we're throwing a little mini temper tantrum like a toddler, even though we're folks in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. You're a full-blown adult, and you're acting up like a child. That's reactivity. The space between response and stimulus is always going to be there. There is no human being on planet Earth that has an instant reaction time. 
And I mean, technically speaking, it's probably a little impossible because you have to see what's the light has to travel to you, which, you know, the time is still non-zero, no matter how close it is. That has to go through your eyeballs. It has to get processed as an image in your brain. Your brain has to identify what just happened. Then it has to send that signal out to your muscles, including your muscles and your vocal cords that possibly cause you to scream your guts out. Make sure that we're going to identify, once we get back from the break, the difference between the spacing of a reaction versus a proactive response. We're going to see that every single time something happens to you, you actually have a space that you can choose to respond in the way that you consciously want. Folks, we're at the halfway point. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We'll be right back from the break. Stay tuned. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. After the halfway mark, I'm your host, Trevor Davis. So let's go ahead and do our stock market update to contextualize our gains over the long term. As always with this, it's a year to date. So from January 1st to today, October 11th, 2023. So Dow Jones is first. Dow Jones is still overall the worst. You know, the, the gains are already the smallest, but it there seems to have been a little bit of a market uptick after some of the lowerings over the last couple of weeks, um, which is, I mean, just to say, you know, as, as you always see upturns overall and then downturns overall, you always see those little bumps in the road, basically, where it goes up for a little bit, then goes back down again, down again, then, you know, up, then it goes down a little bit, then it goes up. So, take it for what you will. The Dow Jones is at a 1.79% year-to-date gain. So, with 2022's losses, they are negative 6.99%. S&P 500 has gained 14.97%. With last year's losses, it's now at negative 3.14. And NASDAQ has gained 3832 which puts it right back at 5.35% with last year's losses. So when the stock market with inflation accounted for, because this isn't even hacking off with inflation yet, you have to subtract um, right now the 3% or is it the 3.2% inflation at the moment that they recorded last to get you your actual return because inflation is what you have to hack off of everything to know what your real rate of return is. So over the last 78 years, the average rate of return of the stock market has been 10%. So you hack off that average 3% inflation to 4% inflation. And that's why you see on every stock market website that actually conveys this information the honest truth that the net has been 6 to 7%. So 
that's one of the biggest reasons why we are not big fans of the stock market. Just because it's the mainstream thing, just because you see it on the news all day, just because you see it on the news every day, just because your husband talks about it, just because your wife talks about it, just because your parents talked about it, you see where I'm going with this. Just because it's the mainstream thing doesn't mean it's what you have to do. I mean, I'm going to have to quote the classic thing your parent probably told you at one time or another, but if all your friends jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off the bridge too? Well, it seems like some people are still going to jump off the bridge, but I really hope you're not that type of person. You're going to think for yourself and you're going to be proactive and have a proactive response, acknowledging the space between what is presented to you and how you can actually respond. So stock market, it's one of the issues. The returns are volatile. The overall gains for the vast majority of consumers is marginal at best. Um, that's why we're more interested in real estate. And that is not to say either that real estate is always sunshine and rainbows. Because anybody I've ever talked to that's been decent enough to be honest has had some issues in the real estate world. Yeah, and that includes screwing up a deal every now and then. But as it turns out, when you do it correctly and you've got a team of people that know how to do it that can help you, it makes it a lot easier. Obvious sales pitch there for Total Wealth Academy. Because that's what I do on a daily basis is I get questions from folks that need a little bit of a pointer, need a little bit of a guidance. They need to know what their next step is. They want help with analyzing a deal. That's what I do on a daily basis. So knowing that something is not sunshine and rainbows, and nothing is, I'm going to be going with a thing that is going to get me, one, a higher rate of return. And two is something I can actually tangibly hold on to. If I purchase a new property here in Houston, I can go drive to it. I can see it. I literally own it. You know, it's, it's a hard sale for me to be convinced that someone who has some stocks, you know, has a couple of Google stocks, uh, officially owns a part of Google. I don't really feel that way. And maybe it's technically true, but... That's not the impression I'm really getting with the way that all this stuff works on the stock side. And I certainly don't make the business decisions that affect positively or negatively my stock value. In real estate, and I talked about the control freaks, but if you're a control freak and you want control, you could have control over real estate. You could dictate what your real estate experience is like by doing the proper research, getting the right type of property, being the right type of landlord, getting the right types of tenants by screening them effectively in accordance with all fair housing laws. And then you're going to be in good shape. As it turns out, when you do that, you avoid 99% of the problems that can happen in real estate. Again, Real estate is not sunshine and rainbows. There are going to be pitfalls. 
there are going to be pitfalls. We can help you avoid those. So when we're talking about reactivity versus proactivity, it's that it's that hidden rule. It's like a cheat code, if you will, because there's like this unspoken idea that when someone says something to you, you have to respond immediately in time. That when someone says anything to you, you need to have your response locked, loaded, in the chamber, hammer pulled back, ready to pull the trigger and say what you want to say. So there's a couple issues with that. One, if you're preparing your response, you're not really listening. Boy, this was a really hard one for me to hammer through my brain. Because with my ego being attached to appearing intelligent, not just being intelligent, but appearing intelligent, I've been the type of person that's listening for a response, but not actually listening to what the person is saying. Because there's a huge difference there. Um, I've definitely met my fair share of people who seem to get into this habit of responding a little bit too fast to stuff. And it's very clear that they're very smart, but just because you're able to provide, you know, a pretty standard response very quickly doesn't mean that's going to be the best response. Doesn't mean you need to sit there for 30 whole seconds every time someone says anything to you. You probably don't need that much processing time. But you have this hidden cheat code that does allow you even just a couple seconds if that's what you need. Even in that couple seconds, let's say five whole seconds, like five literal solid seconds. That's a pretty long time for most people in a regular conversation. But I've been taking advantage of this to actually use that time to more fully process what's said to me. And in that time, that's when I'm actually formulating my response. Your time to respond is not anywhere within the time that someone is using to communicate to you. You are only there to process that information on itself, by itself, on its own. And with that response, after everything is said, then you have a chance. After all, why would you respond to something without even knowing full well what someone is saying? They could say something and you could say, immediately respond without them even telling you everything about what needs to be said. You know, if someone walks up to you and they say, I have bad news, and you've been nervous about something and you say, oh no, I didn't get the, the job, right? And then they're just like, uh, no, it's just the DoorDash delivery is a little late. You know, you didn't even let them finish their sentence before you decide to make a massive leaping assumption. And now you just look a little silly, to say the least. Use the cheat code of stimulus between response. 
literally count it out in your head if you want to, if it's very difficult. And don't get your ego attached to being this person that has to have that response loaded in the chamber. Especially the more heavy duty the interactions get, the more that is at stake, um, the higher up in your company you go, and then you start having these discussions, especially in meetings. If someone asks you a question and challenges you, your human instinct is going to be reactive. There's always going to be that reactivity that's attached to, I would argue, your survival brain because it wants to defend itself. It wants to defend you. It wants to, to keep you safe and alive. But you have to detach from that, attach your response to the thriving part of your brain that actually wants to create and present the best response and not just a simple knee-jerk reaction to other people, which can often put you in hot water or worse. Think about your response and give yourself the cheat code of 5 to 10 seconds before you say something back. Folks, we're at the last segment. We'll be right back for the last segment. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. See you all after the break. Here's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. All right, everybody, we are at the final segment of today's show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. So we are now going to turn this all around. We've just gotten my interpretation of Habit 1, Be Proactive. So we're going to talk about the anti-side, the pitfalls that I've seen, that I've personally experienced when it comes to enacting this. And... I'm going to give a cheat code when it comes to the interpretation of the seven habits of highly effective people. If your interpretation of any of the habits or any combination of the habits directly conflicts with another, you're not doing it right. If being proactive means being a jackass, means not giving a crap about other people or how they can help and serve you, you know, that would be a violation of think win-win and you're going to get in trouble and you're going to pay the consequences for that. One of the distinctions that's made very clear in being proactive is that while we are free to choose our response, we are never free to choose our consequences. So let's make it clear on that. It's going to be pretty clear in those situations when, you know, you've got past experience, you've got history, you've got other people's experience, the referral past experience that if you behave and take actions in a certain way, you should get certain results. I mean, if I'm going to be nice to other people and kind to other people, based on history and based on my personal experience, that is 
the most effective way for me to get nice and kind treatment to myself. That seems to make sense, but I don't necessarily always know, because that's an obvious example with pretty obvious consequences, not to say everybody's just going to automatically be nice and kind to you because they're not, but there's going to be consequences that come with your actions, whether you like them or not. And that's why we have to be comfortable with change. That's why Albert Einstein talks about that and makes that quote and why I start this show with that quote. Because if you're being proactive and you're interpreting this in your way and interpreting proactivity in your own way, which is what everybody is going to do at the end of the day, but it's not getting you the results that you want, you're going to have to change the way you approach proactivity because you're doing something wrong or you're being proactive with the wrong people or in the wrong places, the wrong situations. Maybe you need to take your proactive energy and direct it to something else. So what I see a lot of people doing in the quest for proactivity is they're wearing themselves out to the bone. They are working 40, 50 hours or more and getting the overtime on top of that. So they're working more like 60 hours added to those 40 to 50, which is what most Americans do. Um, I think the average right now is actually just below 40, so maybe we've got that going for us. But there's a lot of people that decide, oh, you know, I read in Stephen Covey to be proactive, so I'm going to focus on making sure I look as good as possible at work and working overtime. And then these people are typically complaining about work-life balance. They don't have time for themselves, and they don't have time for their kids or significant others. So there's an inadvertent, unintended consequence from a skewed interpretation. Because that win-win was missed out. And then there's the issues that come with living that type of stressful life. Because if you're going to be so proactive in your mind that you're not slowing down to relax, to chill out, and not sharpen the saw, habit seven, here we go, directly ignoring another habit. In this case, habit seven, sharpen the saw. You don't take the time to yourself to go do the things that are your mental relaxing activities. The activities where you don't have your brain in work mode, you don't have your brain in high impact stress mode. It's literally an activity that your human brain needs to recharge itself, to sharpen itself back up. Because if you're trying to chop down a tree and your saw has been used for 24 hours or hours and hours and now it's not cutting so well, what is this proactive person who's misinterpreting proactivity going to do? What would their reaction be, their response be? Let's keep trying to chop down the tree with this dull saw. They're not going to be cutting down trees very fast anymore. They're going to be working themselves 
to the bone, sweating themselves out, but they are not taking the time to stop the work activity, get that saw out of the tree, sharpen it for a couple hours, get a lunch break, and then go back refreshed and recharged. So if a workaholic really likes work, they should also like doing the best work. If you like doing something, why would you not like doing it to the best of your ability? Why would you just want to work yourself to the bone and start spitting out bad work simply because you've got workaholic super proactivity mode? So the burnout is real. Um, I was literally watching a documentary and it was on Vice and it was talking about a very specific type of work culture in China. And I know two different countries, but two major countries. And we see a lot in East Asia, especially of overwork. I mean, you see it in Taiwan, you see it in Hong Kong. You see it in Korea. You see it in Japan. They are working 60 plus hours a week as the standard. But the 996 schedule over there for certain tech companies in China, and it's not every company, but it's a lot, and it's still around now. The 996 being you work for 9 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for guess how many days a week? Six days a week, 996. For those of us that have been there in that position, how long is that sustainable? They're being proactive, and some of the people being interviewed were very defensive about the 996. Um, one woman who was a manager was saying, well, this is proof of hard work. This is proof that you're working hard for the company. These are the peoples that get the advancements and the promotions. You know, a lot of people complaining are just being lazy. But we're not meant to just be working for somebody else's business. We're not meant to be working all the time. If we're going to look at proactivity, we also have to be proactive with the other things and the other six habits. In this case, the most egregious violations are typically in think, win, win, and sharpen the saw. But in seek first to understand and under, be understood, you can't be pro, so proactive in your mind that you lose track of your response. You can't be so proactive that you completely skip beginning with the end in mind and you don't write your goals down. You can't be so proactive that in putting first things first, you just decide to try and do everything all at once. <clears throat> That's not what proactivity is about. My proactivity is making sure that I'm not sitting around and doing a whole lot of nothing too much. If I've got my instantaneous gratification monkey activity, typically of video games... I need to make sure that I block time for that activity and I make sure that I'm identifying times that are explicitly for growth activities, the discipline activities that get me to the results that I want in the long term, even if it feels sometimes that I don't see the results now. 
Just because you don't see the results now doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to see them ever. Arnold Schwarzenegger and all bodybuilders do not go to the gym once and become bodybuilders. It's a proactive lifestyle on a daily basis. So folks, that's what I got for you for the pitfalls of habit number one. We'll be back next Wednesday for the second habit, put first things first, actually begin with the end in mind. We will go into some of the pitfalls of goal setting. Write your goals down, but there are pitfalls with that as well. I'll be back next Wednesday. Y'all take care. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.